Hello and welcome to the FSF and Tapestry podcast. I'm Jules and today I'm with Stephen and we're joined by expert nanny Sharda Lambert. Hi Sharda. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's great, it's great that you're here with us today. You're you're in transit. Yes, I am. <laughs> Travel nanny life. Yeah, exactly. Um anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna crack on with our first question, which is can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey to becoming a nanny? For sure. So hi everyone, I'm Sharda Lambert. I'm also known as Nanny Shards. I go by Nanny Shards. Um, and I am a international travel nanny. I have been a nanny for 14 years. As well as that, I specialize in sleep training, potty training, and parent coaching. Um, I am a nanny mentor and coach as well. So a ton of things at the moment. And I'm currently running um two businesses. It's going to be a event company for childcare workers. So, yeah, I stay busy. <laughs> yes, you certainly do. Could you uh, could you describe uh, what the role of a nanny, Shada, plays? How, how would you describe it? For sure. So a nanny is a domestic worker. Um, we are homes with children and families. Um, we are similar, very similar to childminders, um, but very different at the same time. We don't have to follow the early years foundation stage like a child mind would. We don't have to be officer registered. That is a voluntary for us. If we want to be, we can. Um, what we do is we support families in the home as well as children. And we are basically like a third parent. Um, so we're part of the parenting team. I have a term that I like to call the parenting team. So we're part of the parenting team. And it's our role to uh, help families to continue to work, parents be able to work um, so we can handle all the childcare at home. So what a nanny would do um, would be very similar to what a parent does, um, but we just have the knowledge and experience. So we will cook for the children, we do their laundry, we clean their rooms, we phonics, we teach them their ABCs, their colours, all the child developmental things. Um, And we also, some of us travel, like myself, I'm a travel nanny, so I travel with the family. So when they go on holiday, um, to allow the parents to have some self-care, um, I will take care of childcare duties. Um, doesn't mean that the parents don't spend time with their children. They sure do. Sometimes we spend time all together, um, but it just allows them to have that flexibility. Um, also in the home as a as a nanny, we're here to support parents any kind of um, breastfeeding. Some parents need help with breastfeeding um, advice or um, weaning. Uh, potty training again sleep so the additional things that a nanny can help with as well so how how often would you be traveling around the place Sharda? i've been traveling for 19 years now i'm 35 this year and i started when i was 16 um my first trip was to cyprus and um yeah it was very very interesting <laughs> it was a great trip but i, I learned these and don'ts on that trip um so yeah, I've been doing it doing it for nineteen years now. That well, sounds a really interesting job. It really does. Um, Shada, how do you go about building? I love I love that phrase, parenting team. By the way, but like as you know, being part of the parenting team. But how do you go about building trusting relationships with children and families? Um, open communication is very very important. I am super honest, probably sometimes brutally honest or too honest. Um, but I think it's very important for a healthy working relationship with the family and the children. 
um openness as well um you know being very open-minded that's very important and just knowing your stuff so for me I invest very highly in my education and my knowledge and my childcare skills so when I am advising parents they know it's coming one from a good place and two they actually know what I'm talking about um so I make sure that I did a master's in um early years in childcare. Um, I continue continuously still do courses, you know, like refresher courses just to brush up on um, knowledge. Um, so just having that open communication with families and just being yourself. It's so important to be authentic at work because um, if you're yourself at work, it just makes the job so much easier. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And that 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 sort of line of communication, I can imagine, must be so key so that you feel you can talk to the parents, but also they can talk to you. Um, that's where the trust comes in, isn't it? That they feel yeah. okay for them to ask you questions or to share worries. Yeah. So are there are there particular things that you notice that parents and carers are, are particularly worried about when it comes to their child? And, and has that changed over the time you've been working with children and families? Um, absolutely. There is the common things that all parents worry about are the children eating, how many poos a day have they done, <laughs> um, <laughs> what kind of food. That is actually a real thing. A lot of parents are obsessed with the babies or their children's bowel movements, um, sometimes to the point where it's unnecessary. And I'm just like, guys, we can calm down. You don't need to worry. Like, it's normal for them to go toilet this part of time today. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of things are for um you know covid i saw a lot of parents were very anxious about um their children being around other people and um, a lot of parents were also quite anxious about the children not getting that social interaction um so that was a big thing during covid prior to that common thing is food that is funny enough food is such a big thing with all parents um most parents should i say um especially during the weaning stage or um, when they just before they go to school because the parents have no control over what they're going to eat at school so you tend to see quite a lot of anxiety around that um, also speech speech is a big thing you know children hitting their milestones a lot of parents are very concerned about that I see that in a lot of houses where I go into and, and I'm like another house okay okay here we go <laughs> so you know you do see the common things coming up quite often but they tend to be the most um common ones and do you do you have any like particular techniques for settling those anxieties and nerves for sure um it depends so i i don't have a generic um way of nannying so every house i go into i adapt to the style of the parenting because a lot of people parent very different some parent quite similar so for me i always work on with the individual child so what works for one family won't work for the other. So it's always having that conversation with the parents on kind of what their plan is, what, how do they want their child to be raised, um, what are the things that are most important to them, and then we just come up with a plan together to make sure that that child's getting the best level of care. And, and Sharda, have you found as well that that things change so so I'm thinking um you know so advice changes for parents over the years and does that worry them at all you know the sort of external advice from I'm thinking about weaning for example yeah has changed over the years maybe or is that something that worries parents or are they so are they in their moment and their time if that makes sense so that then they're just listening to what's being said right now 
Yeah, so I think it, it's it's a mix between the two because what happens is I always like to say if you have a nanny in your home, you technically have a childcare expert that's tailored to your family. So why not use their skills and their knowledge to you know help your yourself as a parent and also help your children? So, um, in regards to I'm a sleep consultant, so there is a lot of things in regards to sleep that does change over the years. Um, but what I find is. Now, actually, when I was really early in my career, it was really hard to convince parents that I knew what I was talking about because I was a lot younger. It was like, hmm? you know, this young woman is in my home and she knows all this stuff. Like, does she really know this stuff or is she just talking? Um, but as I've got older, I've realised a lot of parents, maybe it's the age thing, I'm not sure, but they, they tend to um, take heed a lot more now that they see that I have a lot more experience and they trust what I say as well, um, I would never give medical advice or anything like that. I would do suggestions and say maybe, you know, check up with your doctor or talk to your health visitor or your midwife. Um, but I haven't seen much of a, um, I wouldn't say I haven't seen parents worrying about things changing. A lot of them are quite flexible, know that things are fluid and can change at any time, um, especially with, you know, sleep and potty training and food and things like that. So, no, I haven't really seen many parents worry about things changing um, in regards to, you know, their children. But definitely in regards to, like, government and childcare and costs and things like that, absolutely, there's a lot of anxiety around that. Yeah. Um, linked to kind of conversations around um, weaning and potty training and sleep and things like that, what part do routines and schedules play in a young child's development? And how do you support families to find the routines that work for them and their child? That is a good question. Um, so I'll, I'll discuss the first part of the question. So, um, so yes, it's very important that children have a routine um, and a schedule. Uh, schedules can be quite fluid. Routines are very important because for a child that doesn't know how to uh, speak verbally, a routine is a way of teaching the child what's coming next. Mm -hmm. And that helps with um, the child having less anxiety, knowing what's coming next really helps them to stay calm and um, have that level of consistency. So it's so important, especially when um, they're babies, to have that level of consistency because that creates a, a an environment of safety and protection for the child. And um, if a child doesn't know or a baby doesn't know what's happening next, they they would be very anxious and worried. So how I work with families on building routines and schedules, it really, again, is very much based on the individual child. So on the first day that I go into a home, I always observe. And with my observations, I'm looking at the sleep cues. So when the child's getting tired, what are the things that they're doing? Roughly around what time is that? Also, when they're go into the toilet or, you know, you go in um, for poo or wee and they're nappy. What is their mood like? Um, how often do they eat? How much are they eating? So it's really like a thorough observation. And then with that observation, I will have a conversation with the parents and say, I notice around this time that, you know, he or she tends to get really tired. So maybe we could put the morning napping around that time. And then I notice after like two hours or after three hours, I see that, the, you know, he or she is starting to show signs of this. So maybe we could put something in here. So I work with the child's natural um, schedule in a way. Um, and then that's how I help the parents come up with a routine that works for them and the child. Do you find that um, there's sort of like, I know we've sort of talked, covered anxiety and I suppose um, nervousness. Do you find like 
an unhealthiness around the way that families compare themselves with other families, even though their their makeup might be quite different. But they maybe there's a, a level of envy about the way that a child in another family sleeps or eats or behaves yeah. or whatever. And that's do you find that's, uh, that's something? Yeah, that is so common. A lot of the time, I see it a lot. It's very common. And it hasn't got, it hasn't died down in 19 years that I've been working as a nanny. It is, um, there is a lot of comparison. It's very much like, um, you know, oh, this child, you know, Janet's child's crawling now. And my child's at this age. Why is my child not crawling? And there's a lot of comparison and it, it can be very, very um, negative and detrimental to the child's development because sometimes ch- children just don't develop at the same rate. Some children are, you know, more advanced in their physical development, whereas another child might be a bit more advanced in their speech development. So it's not good to compare. And I always work very closely with families that um, if they have that, then I I definitely have a sit down with them, have a chat about where that's stemming from, where that's coming from. Because um, as much as, you know, babies and sometimes toddlers can't speak, they hear everything. So if they're hearing all these comparisons uh, in the unconscious mind it's definitely going to stay in their brain somewhere in their existence so for me I'm very big on the language we use around children Um, I'm very big on the environment that children live in or you know sleeping Um, and so when I see things like that happening with parents I definitely have a conversation like where's this coming from let's have a chat why it's important to be careful about some of the language that we use, um, especially around the child. It's like, oh, yeah, but they can't talk. It doesn't matter. No, it does matter because they hear. They hear everything. They can hear from when they're in the room. So it's very important that those things are definitely um, spoken about with parents. Yeah, definitely. You've sort of touched on a few child development points already in the conversation, maybe significant milestones like verbal communication or, or crawling but how does your knowledge of child development support you in your role would you say well I like to think I'm quite knowledgeable <laughs> so um it really does help me because I use everything as a guideline like I said every child is different every child's going to develop different but how I use my child development knowledge is I know what the child's capable of doing by a certain age or by a certain stage. And if they're not doing that, then what I do is help uh, to support that. So for instance, the baby I'm looking after today or this week is um, seven months old. He's not crawling. Um, he's on his belly, he's on his back, but he's not crawling and he's not showing signs of crawling. So I do crawling practice every morning with him and it's literally him on his belly and we're reaching out for objects and that gets him in the motion of the crawling position we also do a bit of rocking back and forth on our hands and our knees um, and that also helps with you know crawling practice so I'll call it um, so it's really and truly um, the parents were saying oh he's not crawling yet but we'd love him to like you know start or you know showing signs of it so I've helped to you know, develop that by just practicing with him and using it more as a like a game and like um like like play using play really to learn. And he's actually today actually um went in the position of crawling, didn't move, but that was a big milestone because he hasn't done that before. So um that's how I use my knowledge. I know where the children what they're capable of doing by a certain age, and I try my best to support that with the skills and knowledge that I have. I suppose as well, you've touched on the fact that 
a knowledge of child development it's also the knowledge that things don't always happen at exactly the same time isn't it so you, yeah. you're saying that it doesn't mean that there's necessarily a, an inverted commas a delay or a problem it is it is completely ordinary for there to be um differences in 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 the timings of when a child might crawl or stand or walk absolutely well, I'm, I'm one of six and um I'm the youngest, I'm number five. And my sister, who was the second oldest, she walked at eight months, which is just like unheard of. And then, you know, a lot of us walked at 10 months, 11 months, some of us one and a half. So it really is it's really important that, you know, we don't put these pressures on our children when we're, when we're looking after them. And I really like that idea as well, Shadi. You said you use everything as a guideline. So yeah. you know, I'm imagining for other childcare professionals or and education early education professionals, that idea that that any documentation that's out there is there to help as a guideline. And then each you take each child and you start with each child. Right. But you have that's the it. guides and then you work yeah. with the two alongside one another I think that's such a good way of thinking about it really really reassuring actually really helpful thank you um talking about um other um early um education and childcare professionals what do we need to do to empower each other I suppose empower each other so to be honest the, I think it's very important to have friendship and companionship um, is so important. And it actually is one of the reasons why I started my my company, BNT Nannies, which is called uh, BNT Nannies for Bringing Nannies Together. It's also um, really big for bringing childcare workers together. And I think I mentioned this before where I said, um, there's so many different job roles within the early years, but we're all quite separated. So, you know, I understand that teachers work with teaching assistants and some nursery practitioners work with nannies and so forth. But there's not a one place that we can go to where we all connect together. And so that's why I started being nannies because we are putting on a conference this year, um, an international childcare conference called NannyCon. And um, we're going to be putting a lot of the personal um, and professional development into the conference. So we have about 11 speakers we have presentations, we have workshops. It's so important that we uh, work on our self-care. And one of the things that really helped me with my self-care was finding other people in my field that did what I did, um, because it is a very isolating job. Um, but in, in doing being teenagers, I've managed to meet so many amazing childcare professionals. Um, so it's really important that we focus on our self-care as well. So we do have uh, self-defense classes. Um, would we know how to protect children and protect ourselves if we were in danger? That's the first thing that's really important. Um, also yoga, working on our mental. If we don't work on our mental and emotional well-being, how are we going to make sure that the children we look after have a healthy well-being? So these are the things that I think is really important, bringing childcare workers together and you know investing in their self-care, investing in their professional development and their training. So I hope that helps. Oh, that answers the question. Thanks, Sada. It really does. And I'm also thinking, as you talked about all the different early education and, and childcare professionals coming together, of course, in their in their daily life, in your daily life, there's a there's a constant crossover, isn't there? So I'm thinking, for example, you know, a, a nanny that's taking children to an early year setting for yeah. half a half a day or a day yeah. or whatever it is, and picking them up. You know, presumably there, there's a really important connection and communication thing going on there as well. Yeah, absolutely. So 
as a nanny, you do school runs, you do nursery runs. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you take the children to nursery, you definitely have a chat with the nursery practitioner and say, you know, this morning was a bit rough, you know, they're feeling a bit tired or, you know, you have a conversation. At the end of the day, you also get a bit of feedback on how their day went. Um, A lot of the times you feedback that back to the family. So that's like three-way communication now from the nursery practitioner to the nanny, to the parent. So I think it's important that we don't just have that in our day-to-day. We have that every, every day. We have that all year round. Um, but at the moment, like I said, it's just very separated. Like I feel like nannies are the forgotten forgotten childcare workers of the early years. Um, we don't really speak much about nannies and our role, but it's very important because we are the first point of contact before they even get to a teacher or a nursery. So it's really important that we have that level of communication where we all can communicate together for the best for the child. There was um, a spring budget recently, Shada, and uh, there was some fairly significant announcements about childcare and early education and funding. And I just wondered, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts really on on the sort of impact it might have on nannies and, and for families. Yes. So um, I have a lot to say about this um, because um I mean, I'm. A, I think it's very bittersweet. I'll be very. I'm very happy that. Um, I'll go with the positive first. I'm very happy that you know they've agreed to extend the 30 hours of free childcare. Um, but from my hands-on experience working with parents very closely, um, we got a two-year wait for this. So what happens between now and then? That's what's quite concerning. Um, the other thing that's quite concerning for me is, um, they've offered to do 30 hours of free childcare for every child over the age of nine months. What about zero to nine months? Parents in the newborn stage need the most support, they, especially if they're a first-time parent and never never had a child before. Where's where's the support there? So um, even though there's benefits and there's positives to this new news, um, which is amazing, I also feel like there's a lot of other gaps in the in the in the area where there could be improvement. Um, didn't they don't say anything about anything about helping new parents. Um, there was a lot in there about helping parents um families that have two children. What about families that have three? So, you know, things like that. And it, another thing was about um I was reading through it this morning actually, and then um, when it first came out, because I feel like I need to digest it first and then go back to it. So I was looking at um, when it said about um helping families on universal credit. And then I thought, what about families that earn over the threshold and can't afford universe, uh, to have universal credit but are also still struggling. What happens to those parents? What happens to those families? So I still have many questions. Um, and so, yeah, I, that, that's what I would say on that. I'll try and keep it, <laughs> try and keep it brief. Thanks, Thank you. There's some big gaps, aren't there? There's some yeah. big gaps. Um, yeah. that. You're absolutely right. A lot um, of disappointment for parents that I'm working with, um, just having conversations with them. Um, yeah. a, a lot of them are still feeling like, okay, this is great for some families, but we're still struggling. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, it's not immediate. So that makes it very, very difficult. Um, yeah. But of course, you know, the flip side of it not being immediate is, is it easier for settings, for example, if you're thinking about an earlier setting to have it phased in? You know, there's so... It's it's a really complicated thing, isn't it? But there are some big gaps. And I think that that thing around where families sit on the threshold of something and what happens to 
the, the, the families that are just above a threshold that yeah. means that they, you know, they're just not, they're not going to get help by this at all. In fact, they're just going to be still struggling. Um, it's a really good one. Yeah. Shada, we're reaching the end and we're on our last question, um, which is what aspect of being a nanny brings you the most joy? Oh, so much. <laughs> Where do I start? Oh, first with the children. I just absolutely love children. They bring me so much joy. Um, just a smile or a giggle um, or just when they, you know, they learn something new or, you know, they you start seeing them develop their personality and you're like, oh, my goodness. Um, I love working with parents. I love working with parents. And this is something that's I've gradually learned to love actually in the beginning I really struggled I was like this is difficult because uh, parents have so many different ways of doing things um, and a lot of the time a lot of the decisions are made emotionally so as the nanny on that sideline you kind of have a logical way of doing things but sometimes you can miss out the emotional side because you haven't birthed the children as much as you love them as well like they're your own you haven't birthed them so having that um having that kind of the logical and the emotional together it works great but sometimes when I was younger it was really difficult and um, so I've learned to love uh, working with parents and the different aspects that come with that um, and you know having families that have turned into family literally um, you start off as a they start off as your employers and then they become such a prominent part of your life um, so yeah I absolutely love working with parents and I love making their life easier and making it less stressful. And I love children. I absolutely love working with children, especially babies and toddlers. They're like my favourite ages. Um, so, yeah, I can go on and on about this because <laughs> I just love what I do. Um, but, yeah, and also travel. Oh, how can I forget travelling with a family? It's, like, top tier. Love that too. Um, being able to be a part of the travelling family memories is just a privilege within itself. Thank you, Sharda. That's such a lovely place to end with with all those wonderful reasons why working with children and families is such a joy. So thank you so much. And thank you for your time. I know you're about to head off to an airport. Yeah. <laughs> so we really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. For thank joining you. Us. You're welcome.